but I, I break it down. I, I try to explain and what I've been trying to explain for the past few years is this movement is actually cultivating the human capacity for prejudice, aggression, and cruelty. And all of us are wired with that, with those capacities, uh, mainly to keep this physical body alive. So this movement is actually strengthening those capacities. It is fueling a society full of shame and resentment and rewarding those that seek power. Hello and welcome to Dystopian Deep Dives with your host, Natalie Donna. Critical race theory has been in the news a lot lately. It seems like there's a lot of confusion as to what's going on in schools. So I sat down with Jason Littlefield. He has an organization. He's going to tell us about what he thinks of critical race theory and a different approach to social and emotional learning. Without further ado, here's the episode. Hello, and thank you so much for taking some time to talk with me today. Um, let's just start with a little bit about yourself and your organization. Okay. Uh, well, thank you for having me and uh, inviting me to visit with you. Um, my name is Jason Littlefield, and my organization is Empowered Pathways. And essentially, Empowered Pathways was, is a nonprofit organization. I established it in 2017 uh, because... I understood uh, what was on the horizon. It's basically the world that we see now is why I created Empowered Pathways and started working on a humanity-centered approach to well-being and societal cooperation. Um, you know, in fact, in 2012, I really had a firm grasp of the ideology that was taking root what it was designed to do and i made i ultimately made the decision to leave the united states um i spent the one year in china and i spent uh some time in benin africa as well uh, i what i thought was going to be a forever move uh turned out to be one year around the world in which i experienced the tyranny of communist China and the birthplace of humanity in Africa. And those experiences ultimately uh, shaped me and changed me and fueled me for the work I'm doing now, actually. Right. That's amazing because I also spent a lot of time overseas and I started noticing this sort of language. I don't think I noticed it in 2012, but I didn't go. Did you study education? Do you have a degree in education? I have, I have a master's degree in education and my undergrad was in history. So mm -hmm. essentially I've spent the past 29 years in the social and evolutionary sciences. Uh, for the past seven years, I've also served as a, uh, social and emotional learning specialist in public mm -hmm. education. Uh, I'm a, I've been in public education for 21 years. So I've, I've seen the de-evolution of my field and mm -hmm. that is something that I'm hoping to address as well. 
Right. I really want to talk about that. So I wasn't as familiar with all of these terms, all of these sorts of acronyms they like to use. And I think I noticed there's two different CRTs. <laughs> there's what I came across as cultural, uh, culturally responsive teaching. And mm -hmm. then there's what we know as critical race theory. And then there's this, I think you touched on a little bit, uh, SEL, which is yes. what, what is SEL? How did all of these things kind of relate to each other? Okay, so SEL stands for social and emotional learning. Um, and it's a, it's, I would say it's not even a, you know, 10 year old mainstream educational uh, approach, but it was first designed uh, by an organization called CASEL, which is the Collaborative for Academic and Social and Emotional Learning. And the premise is uh, developing self-awareness, mm -hmm. developing self-management, relationship skills, decision-making skills, and um, social awareness, if I did not say social awareness, but th developing those competencies within each, uh, within each individual. And I was really fascinated by that field because I was like, yes, finally public education is doing something right. We're, mm -hmm. we're cultivating the individual in a way that they can be compassionate and resilient and develop healthy mindsets. But what I noticed probably about three years ago, the conversation started to change a, a bit. And then um, this past December, December of 2020, Castle, the uh, national organization behind SEL, decided to change the definition to where SEL is now a lever for equity and social justice and when we talk about equity in public education, we are advancing the idea of equitable outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, and those, you know, I've tried to have conversation with those in my field, you know, about, hey, this, you know, advancing an idea of equi equitable outcomes has always in human history had deadly consequences and the underlying philosophy of this movement is built on destruction hmm. so really i've you know being an sel specialist i've been focused on the emotional and social well-being of the individual and society and i've i've been watching this movement uh how it is destroying people uh yeah, I mean, these ideas always seem to come from a place, I mean, they always say the, the road to hell is paved in good intentions. Yes. Um, and so I, I find that a lot of these things that we're discussing nowadays, things like critical race theory and other, other topics, but I want to try to stick to that one, seem to come from a place of, okay, let's progress some more. And I think giving students, you know, a, a pathway to success is obviously a good thing, right? And mm -hmm. so they, they always frame this stuff as being helpful as being, and I think maybe they even came from a good place to begin with. But you, you know, you mentioned sort of like this kind of destructive uh, way of doing it. 
Uh, you say on your site that you want to provide an alternative to the destructive ideology permeating the zeitgeist. So what do you think is that destructive ideology? And, you know, it's sort of, I think we're kind of in the upside down right. <laughs> at this, at this uh, point. But what is the destructive ideology specifically that you're talking about here? I overarchingly describe it as postmodern Marxian. Uh, it's so weird. How I mean, is, I just feel like those two uh, ideas aren't really even compatible, but they seem to have. They uh, they have they've <laughs> melded they've right? melded in a uh, in an authentic way. You know the they're they're all based in the Frankfurt School scholars' ideas. You know of divide divide the individual into multiple groups and mm -hmm. put them put them in a position where those groups will continue to divide and you give them uh the tools of of critical theory uh you know i know see critical race theory is is like the the big hot button topic right. but i don't feel like enough people understand that it's ultimately it's the ideological grandchild of critical theory mm -hmm. which was Pur purposed, you know, Horkheimer in 1937 was like, hey, I got an idea. If we give liberal society this tool of critical theory, over time, they'll erode themselves. And what the, the pragmatic tools of, of that is basically in one hand, you are supposed to look at the world, the people in it, the relationships that you're in, and the entire past and see the problems, see the issues, see the, the disgust. So you look at the world through this lens of disgust while dreaming of utopia. So there's no real uh, pragmatic solutions. And one of the examples is that I, you know, after being in the diversity, equity, and inclusion field and going through all of these trainings for years and years and years, mm -hmm. I started, I was like, hey, th there's no solutions. And when you get to a point of talking about solutions, you get labeled a, a, a white supremacist. Right. You know, I mean, I, it's all based in, in fantasy. It, it doesn't seem, it's very idealistic. It doesn't yeah. seem very realistic or, uh, you know, and, and people get it, I think, very mixed up, you know. <laughs> right. I, mean, I don't, I don't think I'm a racist. I doubt you are a racist. I, I'm sure you want to empower, you know, all, all kids, you know, to, right. to be their best selves. I, and, you know, you have what I what I was noticing is there's sort of this um, imbalance between the individual and the collective. And I'm kind of a middle pathway person. I think both are important. Um, and I, yeah, I think people just get it twisted. Like this isn't about that. It's about really what does empower people. What right. help, what really helps people? Is it what? Is, yeah, go ahead. Uh, sorry, but uh, what's interesting that you said is that is this idea about the individual's place and the uh, and the collective's place, uh, and that's a conversation that people aren't really having. If if we could start from a framework of who, who do you do you believe that the individual is the moral worth in society, or do you believe that it's a group or the collective and then kind of go from there but the the idea and this is the 
this is the part that really irritates me, motivates me. But overall, the idea, the ideology is rooted in destroying the individual. Like that's the, the ultimate goal is to yeah, completely just, and, and I see that in the language, uh, you know, we, we no longer refer to people as people or individuals. Everybody is either a, a part of a group or, mm -hmm. um, a pronoun. Yeah. They're these rather than a proper noun. Yeah. Uh, people talk about bodies and voices rather well, than actually very dehumanizing isn't it it is very and that's the that's the goal that's yes. the 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 purpose is to dehumanize and to cause psychological warfare on the people that believe this and to destroy the relationships that those people are in yeah so just cycling back a little bit there's a debate on whether or not critical race theory is being taught in schools what would you say to someone who asks you that? Is, I would say yes and no. I would mm -hmm. say nobody, you know, to my knowledge is sitting down and going over the legal theory, you know, right. uh, with, with, with kids discussing that. But I will say that the, the lens of race essentialism is 100% being taught. Uh, actually, I'm going to back off of that percentage a bit, but I will say beginning this next school year, uh, especially through social and emotional learning departments, uh, that race essentialism and just teaching the, the overall narrative that these people are oppressed, these people are oppressors, and the history of Western society is the, the root of all evil. So that idea is being into the, into the minds and hearts of children, uh, hardcore beginning in August. So uh, again, there's this thing called culturally responsive teaching. And I noticed there's a woman, I'm not sure you're familiar with her work, but she seems to be the person sort of putting this out the most. Her name's Zaretta Hammond. Are you familiar with her? I am familiar with her. Uh, I've been to a couple of her trainings and my department or former, former department now, uh, but really got involved in her work. And if, if, if somebody were to ask me right now, like what is uh, culturally responsive teaching? I would not be able to give a clear answer. I can't either. And I've watched uh, hours of her talk. Yeah. <laughs> I really I, did. I was like, I, I'm trying to pin it down as much as I can figure it out. It seems, I mean, I used to teach English as a second language. Yeah. So I understand coming into a classroom and knowing like, okay, I'm probably going to have some different cultural experiences exactly. than, than the kids that I'm teaching. So again, this exactly. comes from, I think, a very good, uh it, idea initially right like of course yes. it's going to be different and i'm i'm going to bring things in that you know might be different from my perspective because of what i deem is a lotto ticket that you get right you you get born with a lotto ticket and you know it's yeah. kind of what you make of it in my opinion life anyway but 
<laughs> that's kind of a deeper philosophical um no that's a that's a good that's a good point but uh yeah i would say i've been engaged in conversations around culturally responsive teaching and for the past goodness maybe four years and it is it's there's a kernel of truth there and that kernel of truth is addressed but it's hidden in uh ultimately dangerous ideology and if you you notice how we both had a really hard time articulating what it is because it it is that overall critical theory of let's identify the problems while also thinking about utopia and combine those two things right there so essentially critical theory removes any notion of finding solutions yeah it doesn't seem to be a solution based it seems all very reactionary and, and like a struggle session basically is what i know they are they are struggles and i've been in many of those struggle sessions as well uh yeah i know people that have been in those struggle sessions uh, ritually you know for five or six years now so i'm just that's what's amazing to me is how people i stick with it and i feel that there is a level of religiousosity to the movement as well so that's also yeah i find it to be sort of the state or even like kind of a global corporate religion. Um, yeah. Which, yeah. It, you know, we have critical race theories being part of that. I think uh, this term called gender identity is a part of it. And mm -hmm. what I think they're trying to do uh, is to, I mean, you talk a lot about, uh, hold on here, you talk a lot about, what do you call it? I call it an authentic self, excuse me. And I think what you say is a whole self. And I think they're kind of similar ideas, probably. And so you talk about a whole self and a value-centered identity. And I often think about the idea of an authentic self versus, you know, a manufactured micro-identity, which is kind of what I'm calling these things, that have obviously the preset values that whatever the dominant culture wants to prescribe to them, right? If you're, okay, so in this critical race theory, <laughs> Um, realm, if you're white, then you're the oppressor, et cetera, right? Everyone else, you're being oppressed. Yes. Um, despite any history or, you know, my, my parents were immigrants from Italy. So I, you know, it sort of whitewashes history. It wants to take all the complexity and nuance out of history. So these micro identities, um, how, how do you think we can reach what you would call, I think, a whole or authentic self um, and do things like critical race theory and identity, identity politics uh, prevent us from doing that? They, if, yeah. I'll start out with they definitely prevent us from doing that. I've been hanging out in a lot of, oh, I guess we, the Marxian world would call it non-normative identities. I've been hanging out uh, in a lot of non-normative identities uh listening to the destruction that's happening within their community because they are excommunicated if they don't believe in the ideology so mm -hmm. di diversity is now code for think like us 
and inclusion is now code for we're kicking you out if you don't mm -hmm. and I, the way that i would i guess go about addressing that and how do we return to honoring the whole self is starting from a place of dignity um, and really breaking down the difference uh, between the human and the being in human being and what i mean by that is uh our exteriors you know that's what we what we see that's the re that's the result of our born into biology and the the way that we interact with the world and the people within the world uh that's become our conditioned personality and all conditioned personalities are different some are have a more pleasant feel and some do not uh, but underneath that exterior is our being and i believe that our beings only have two qualities and all humans all human beings share those same two qualities and the qualities are the the desire to avoid suffering and also the desire to alleviate suffering when we encounter it um, so really getting to that place and keeping that idea at at the forefront and how we interact with with the people in the world and i've also uh separated dignity from respect uh because i i've been gifted the pleasure of having a lot of people in my life who i have zero respect for but i can still honor the dignity of that person because respect is something that we get we get or lose based off of behaviors and a lot of behaviors are harmful and we do not have to respect where those came from but if we can see the dignity and see that person for something deeper then we're less likely to do harm and if we can get to a place and it also allows us to see each other as we see ourselves because humans are to my knowledge we're the only animal that has the ability to see our species as we see ourselves and when we're able to do that uh, we basically crumble the psychological basis to do harm to that person but when we see each other as an other and as someone that we are competing with then we are actually strengthening the capacity for prejudice aggression and cruelty and that's the spot where racism lies you know that's kind of going back to earlier we're talking about racism uh, and me sitting in those trainings i i often get accused of having wrong views uh on on this subject matter be but i i break it down I, I try to explain and what i've been trying to explain for the past few years is this movement is actually cultivating the human capacity for prejudice aggression and cruelty and all of us are wired with that with those capacities uh mainly to keep this physical body alive so this movement is actually strengthening those capacities it is 
fueling a society full of shame and resentment and rewarding those that seek power. Mm. Yeah, it all seems to be a lot of power grabbing, especially in sort of academic circles where they've set it up so that your worth is based on how much you publish and you might not even publish anything that's any good, mm-hmm. but you sort of, and sort of like keeping face, uh, which is kind of why I had to leave the academy. But I just didn't see them doing anything. They, they, it's sort of all talk and no action. And it is, and there's no solution. And it's, you know, um, so I want to, you said, uh, your focus is on sort of the psychological aspect. And I noticed this a lot of, on your website about the sort of neurological uh, situation that we're in. And I think what you're trying to do is create a balance to enhance human potential. And so you were just talking about the psychological sort of foundations of prejudice, which you say are aggression and are prejudice. Prejudice, yeah. aggression, and cruelty. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do we develop our brains, you know, in a neurological way to have more empathy? The uh, most simplistic answer is practice. Right. Uh, and so, and that's what I, I developed a, a set of tools and I, I call them, you know, compassionate humanism mm. in which dignity and an explanation of dignity is the basis for the framework. And then also cultivating mindsets of curiosity and compassion rather than fear and judgment. Mm. Uh, that those fear and judgment reactions and responses that, that are always there, uh, those are the first things that pop up because those, th- those are the things that actually keep the physical body alive is fear and judgment. So we are, the way that society is organized now is that it it cultivates and it promotes developing mindsets of fear and judgment. Uh, so the notice the narrative tool that, that I wrote and came up with is actually designed to A, notice when those thoughts of fear and judgment pop up and whenever they limit, whenever those thoughts limit the potential of yourself or limit the potential of somebody else and or are going to cause harm to you or someone else, then it's a really, that's the moment to inspect that thought with inquiry and compassion. Stay curious with those thoughts. Find out what's driving, what's driving the behavior and the thoughts rather than just those reactions of fear and judgment. And then also uh, there's three pathways of practices, practices that build awareness and equanimity, which would involve you know, mindfulness, a lot of self-awareness, a lot of reflection time, and practices that build kindness and compassion for self and others. And then finally, practices that celebrate our common humanity. So just as the Frankfurt School scholars of the 1920s theorized, if you put forth set of this ideas, you can destroy humanity. I developed this set of tools as a way, because I believe if every individual engages in these practices and these mindsets, then 
ultimately there we're cultivating our well-being neurological level right and i think what you might be getting at uh is that being a strong individual with strong core values does end up helping the rest of the community at large it does it you know i i find it interesting that uh you know i'm a very strong proponent of of the individual because we are the ones that are building the systems we are the ones out there meeting each other on the streets uh we are the ones that that are forced to solve complex problems so it's really important for us to a have a wide variety of developed skills a wide variety of developed thoughts and opinions and experiences and that when we come together we can use all of those experiences and strengths to really solve some the issues of society that we need to be solving um when did this really start blowing up in schools i mean i know that at the academic level postmodernism sort of came in and what you would think postmodernism would do would be to dismantle the material uh, analysis of Marx, mm -hmm. but this isn't really what happened. And so I just sort of want to revisit like this combination of the two, these two like seemingly incompatible ideas. And how did this start to you become apparent within the school, the public school system? Because that's what's really, I think, uh, concerning is that mm -hmm. these ideologies are being pushed on children uh and most parents don't even know it or even have the language to talk about it so when did right. you sort of notice this and how how can marx and certain postmodern thinkers be even compatible with each other and and you know how does this play out in the public school realm uh the the simple answer to a lot of those questions is I don't know, yeah. uh, but I, but I, but <laughs> I will okay. say, I will say, uh, when I started to see in the change around 2017, 2018, the yeah. trainings that, that I was attending, uh, were centering around the ideology and promoting this, you know, essentially, essentially Maoism. Uh, yes. it's modern, you know, modern day Maoism. I've been thinking about that a lot. <laughs> I mean, because the, the overall in the culture is we're getting rid of the four olds and then we're engaged in these struggle sessions. Uh, you know, the, the mm -hmm. activists in the streets are essentially the red guard 2.0, but I, I'll say that it started really hitting, uh, into the schools this past year was yeah. like a, a big initial push and then next year like i was saying in august is going to be the really really big so what are they doing they're they're first they're training the teachers in this stuff right because mm -hmm. you can't have them right that would be the first step right and that's uh, what's been happening over over the past few years yeah um but yeah, you sort of have these, what we, I would call like a struggle session, someone coming in saying you're X, Y, Z because of just really just the surface level of what you look like. Right. And what it seems to me is that they're, they're sort of uh, 
trying to fight racism with a different form of racism. Right. Like a lot of these trainings, uh, you, your opinion, before you state your opinion, you have to state your identity group. Right. Yes. So like before I would speak, I would say, have to say as a, as a straight white male, I da 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 da. Right. And you know, I, 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 and when I saw that going on, I was like, oh, wow, this is really interesting and, and, and not based in fact. So I, I, you know, pulled some friends aside and I was like, hey, just, I, I'm not doing that. Uh, you know, it, it, that's not healthy. And honestly, as soon as I, as soon as I do that, I am front loading, hey, I'm what's wrong with the world. Right. <laughs> I'm front loading that into the mindset of who, who I'm talking with. And what's, what's been really interesting, I've noticed just in the past, I'll say two or three months, the dehumanizing language uh, has really intensified. And that was something that I was, uh, years ago, like I would say two, three years ago, I went to colleagues and I was like, hey, uh, these ideas that we're pushing forth are philosophically rooted in, in this neo-Marxism and they're purposed for destruction and there's no, there's no hope and there's no tools for Right, success. because I think it's not only like, I, I just think we're sort of dealing of a buffet of bad ideas. Yeah. <laughs> we're not, yeah. we're not just dealing with, with well, like Marxism, we're dealing with this garbage postmodernism that yeah. you know, basically there's no objectivity at all. And all of that's, you know, it's thrown out the window. And like I said, I'm a middle path person. And I think there are good, I, even Marx had some astute observations, right? You know, I don't want to throw away, they just want to throw away all of it, right? The, all say, of Like it. the baby with the bathwater type of thing. Like goodbye all of to any, any of this thought that came before. But they don't have any thought that they want to re really replace it with because, again, it's all based in idealism and... It's not it's, based in reality, I don't think. It's it's not based in reality, and it's it's the so the the overall idea, and this idea is you know popped up in history many many times, mm -hmm. but the the overall idea is if we could only destroy every single thing on the earth and completely break the will of humankind then this perfect version of, of hu humanity will emerge out of the ashes so that's destructive in itself and i don't believe that everybody that is pushing forth this ideology believes that right because i, I know a lot of people that own homes and property that yeah, believe I think in it's this just idea a, it's just a power it's just a power grab a lot of it comes from obscenely overeducated people i mean this goes back into marx kind of you know this academic type of person who's like i know what's best for the working class <laughs> right like, how would and you he know never had a job he never oh, had a job how would he know i mean so i just have a lot of i take a lot of issue with these kinds of philosophies and they do seem really destructive and they seem to want to deny that we've made any progress as a society which right. is just crazy. That's insane. Yeah. What are you talking about? I, as a woman in this society, I can now, thank you, uh, you know, suffragettes, I can vote, I can have a, a checkbook, right? 
I can have a bank account. I couldn't do those things, you know, even yeah. what, like 50 or 60 years ago or whatever. Right. You know, so we're, it's this weird movement where it's like, we want progress, but we're going to deny that any progress has ever been made. Yeah. It's, it's wild. If, if you do that, then you, you, you stop this. And the goal is, is to get as many people destroying as you can. <laughs> it's so crazy. Uh, I, I can't, you know, I don't know how to even comment I, I, I on don't that. Either. And, you know, we, we talk about, and this, this is a really good point that so many good people have bought in mm -hmm. and so many kind hearted people are being taught to see a see themselves in the most unpleasant ways and B see their fellow humans in the most pleasant ways. And the only tools that they're given to build a perfect world are a jackhammer. Yeah. So I believe that that is also a contributing factor to the mental health crisis that, that we mm. have going on. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it has a lot to do with just, again, building this, what I say is an inauthentic self, a micro identity that is also weirdly enough monolithic, right? Because okay, you earlier, you had to be like, yes, I am the straight white male who, yeah. who, who has this, like as if all straight white males who have the same opinions, that's, that's crazy. There's no way that all of them have the same opinion. It's, it's absurd. And it is, it's, it's uh, the trans community is having a real with that as well, you know, uh, like, Hey, I, this is who I am, but I don't believe in your ideology, you know? So there are people be, being shunned and outcast from, from all, all mm -hmm. identity groups. Yeah, I think it ends up, these, these corrosive ideologies end up sort of just eating their own because there's a real level of like purity politics that goes along with these things. They, they, yeah. Go they ahead. eat their own and they get to a point to where they make absolutely zero sense. Like mm -hmm. something I've been thinking about recently is that the, the, the top, like the top female athletes, uh, mm. you could say top female athletes in 2021 have, have penises. <laughs> yeah. It's a, you it's know, a real, you know, excuse my French. It's a real shit show. It, it is. Um, and, <laughs> and, and there are all these people, you know, I, you know, just to be completely transparent, like I would have called myself someone who is a little bit left of center before, you know, mm -hmm. I, I had had a lot of gay friends was yeah. in that whole community. And then these people basically started saying like, no, I am a, a female. And I was just like, well, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really want to, I understand that people are suffering and they might have this mind body disconnect and that's, you know, something that they really have to work through, but I don't think the surgeries or the, uh, the affirmation therapies are working. You wouldn't tell someone who has an eating disorder, like, yeah, you're, you're too this or you're too that. Right. We wouldn't confirm the delusion. Right. So <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know, and I don't even really, most things I don't really have, 
strong opinions about one way or the other right. uh, because because ultimately I think that people should be able to live their lives in right. happy, healthy, meaningful ways as long as as long as they don't harm harm people. But mm -hmm. it, uh, just from listening to you know examples of people in therapy, uh, there's a oh I forget her name right now, but there's a I'll have to find it later. Uh, there's a there's a therapist that I that I follow who. Uh, has really been speaking out because people are being given ineffective tools in therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So that's dangerous. And then the, the fact that I can put on a dress and claim to be a lesbian and be in the quote unquote moral right of yeah. that. I feel like that should, that should cause that, that should cause pause. It's pretty because, alarming. <laughs> like if, if I want to, if I want to have status and power in society, I can outwardly identify as something that I'm not. And I, I feel that, that the possibility of gaming that and the knowing that this ideology uh, drives narcissism and mm -hmm. psycho psychopathy, I see I see that happening and that's essentially who's running our, our world today is yes. people that are clamoring for that. And there are good hearted people in the system. And I wish that the good hearted people that valued human liberalism would really begin to be strong and, and say, this is wrong. This is untrue. Right. It really just comes down to this idea of truth and whether or not you believe in it <laughs> you know and what right. is your version of truth i don't like that whole like that's my truth because that doesn't make any sense either to me that's your postmodernism right there you know yeah. exactly i i can't stand it yeah i really can't i mean because there are i think I, I think a long time ago, medically, yeah, we, we've determined human beings are sexually dimorphic. Like we know that the exceptions yeah. don't disprove the rule when they, and when they use people, uh, when they talk about the uh, intersex conditions, that's just them co-opting the language that was initially again for intersex people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all just, yeah, I don't think they have original ideas, which is why I don't think they have any solutions either. Uh, well, because it just sort of gets to this rhetoric. Yeah. And there, and there are no solutions because the whole, the whole telos, the whole purpose of the ideology is the, the complete destruction of liberalism. Mm -hmm. Like the whole, the whole intent is just destruction. So when, when the whole intent is destruction, you put society in a, in a perpetual state of destroying. So people spend their whole entire lives destroying and somebody else is always willing to destroy more than you are. You know, most of the destroyers I feel would have a, a moment where they're like, yeah, I've done destroying. And usually that would be at the beginning of their prop of, of their property <laughs> to be about, yeah, okay. We don't need to do but somebody else under, understands that in order for utopia to your 
he has to be destroyed as well. And so does your desire to pursue your life in a meaningful way. Yeah, um, I think that's actually a really good place maybe to, to, to end it. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add uh, to our conversation, either about critical race theory or uh, what we're calling, neither of us can seem to figure out what culturally responsive teaching means, um, or even just your version of SEL, like what's different from your version than maybe uh, okay. What, the, what? Yeah, let's do that. What's your okay. version of, of SEL? And one more time, let's define what, what is SEL in case anyone's sort of lost in all of these uh, shortenings of things. Sure thing. Um, I'm going to see. Social. Social and emotional learning. Okay. So the, I'm going to, I'm going to read you the 2017 definition of SEL because okay. that's the one that I believe in. Okay. And it's social, social learning is the process through which children and adults acquire and effectively apply the knowledge, attitudes, and skills necessary to understand and manage emotions, set and achieve positive goals, feel and show empathy for others, establish and maintain positive relationships, and make responsible decisions. Mm -hmm. So my SEL framework uh, is a humanity-centered approach, which centers human dignity and cultivating mindsets of inquiry and compassion rather than mindsets of fear and judgment, mm -hmm. and actively engaging in three pathways of practice, practices that build awareness and equanimity, practices that build kindness and compassion for self and others and practices that celebrate our common humanity and break the walls of indignity. So that's, that's my humanity centered approach and the current rendition as of December, 2020, right. It is now called transformative SEL. Oh, that, that transformative word. Okay. Transformative SEL as a lever for equity and social justice. Huh. Um, yeah. So it doesn't even seem to be about the students at that point. No, it's so here's the definition for that. The new definition says transformative SEL is a process whereby young people and adults build strong, respectful and lasting relationships that facilitate co-learning to critically examine root causes of inequity and to develop collaborative solutions that lead to personal community and societal well-being. It's also so, vague. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> I don't that's understand. what it is. It's that's, like, that's what it is. They do this and, with all of the language. It's like purposefully vague. And they can fit whatever they want, you know, into their definition of, of that. Yeah. Really, like the, it's so the so what you read before, the 2017 version made sense to me. I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yes. And then yes. what you just read me now, I'm like, what? Like, yes. how does that? What is that doing to empower the student to be able to learn? It does. I don't understand. It, and and this idea of critically examine root causes, this is a phrase that I have mm -hmm. encountered for the past four or five years. 
And in every single conversation, in every single meeting, there has been no specific, okay, so this is a root cause. This, these, are, these are the root causes that we need to be looking at. It's, it's just the root causes I've noticed are just the basic tenets of classic liberalism. You know, believing that we're all created equally, that's, that's a bad idea. Uh, uh, bad developing idea. the individual is a quote unquote bad idea. So you, you can see, and, and now that this, in August, that idea is gonna be pushed out into uh, the schools. So I'm hoping to provide a resource, a voice uh, to all of those that are interested in developing the individual to be kind, compassionate, resilient, strong uh, people. Well, that's fascinating. It's really fascinating that they would take something that I think would help students of all kinds and then just, I would say, just pervert it into something that serves whose needs, whose needs are being met by this. It's not would, the students. It's, it's not, it's, it, it's essentially the state. Uh, yeah. That's who, that's who gets, <laughs> the, the, the global, yeah, yes, exactly. By, by not teaching students, by not, by systematically not developing human beings mm -hmm. is, is disgusting to me. Yeah. Like, you know, we are systematically now like not because individualism and developing the individual is a bad idea because ultimately this ideology says that the individual is the problem. Right. They don't address the any, you know, there is, I think, systemic, there are systemic issues. A lot of them have more to do with class than they have to do with race. And we don't talk about class enough. I don't think in this country, uh, you know, a lot of the, this has to do with how do schools, public schools get money that from, from the revenue tax, I think, yep. or property tax of the, so obviously, you know, you're going to have a bit of a better school district in a, an area that has, you know, more uh, income tax or whatever, not income tax, it's property tax, I believe. Property so, tax. So it's people who can, you know, already afford it. And I think there should be maybe a better, I'm sorry, a better distribution of that. And like I said, I'm more of a centrist-ish person now. Like I, I find myself to be politically homeless. Like I don't, I don't know what the heck is going on anymore. Yeah, you know? I'm, the, I'm the same. <laughs> and in fact, I've never, I have never voted a Republican or Democrat. Right. I've, yeah. I, I've never even really got into politics. I've always. Me neither. This I've is the craziest told, part. Yeah. I've always told people like, you know, they're like, what are your politics? I'm like, well, I don't really have any. I said, ultimately, I guess I see the, the largest issue of being globalism and sovereignty and then the individual versus the collective. Like, and, you know, here in the past couple of years, like both of those things, I'm like, oh, wow. So. Yeah, it's like on steroids now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just I really uh, I really appreciate speaking to someone who might find also I was never really a politically I always thought it was like such a waste of time and energy. I'm like, I don't really I feel like all this stuff is really divisive. But I, I mean, I also studied uh, literature and, you know, I taught kids and I really do care about the future and well-being of, of the kids in the society. And I just see, 
I see our society specifically parts of it really geared to hurt kids, like specifically mm-hmm. geared to hurt them. And yeah, it's, it's upsetting to say the and least. It is. And it's being done uh, under the guise of kindness Yeah, is what's even more alarming. <laughs> yeah. And they never want to talk about the actual systemic problems. They're just saying, okay, now we're just going to blame a very vague monolithic group of, you know, people. Yeah, the things that need to be addressed to mm-hmm. increase human well-being mm-hmm. and human potential are, are not being addressed. Totally agree. So totally that's agree. why I'm like, well, if we can address our humanity, you know, may, maybe this this will be a be an approach because what's been happening is just continuing a path of destruction. I'm just looking to start building up. Yeah, po- be more more of a positive force than a negative one. Mm-hmm. And just balancing all those things that I guess are inherent in human nature. But I do believe you can enhance these these things probably neurologically. I don't know enough about that. But yeah, well, I think that, we become ahead. what we we become what we practice. <laughs> it's 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 very it's a very simple idea. We become it what is. we practice. So if if we practice compassion, if we practice seeing each other as we see ourselves, if we just do that our brains are going to get really good and developed at that. Or if we see the world through this horrible postmodern Marxian lens, then our brains get really good at that. Well, they get really confused, I think, because though there are kernels of truth, I will say to some of what Mark said, I don't hold postmodern thinkers in any high regard whatsoever. Um, But it's all just, I think it's confusing on purpose. I think things aren't as complicated as they need to be oftentimes with these people. And a lot of them are really just these hucksters advancing their careers. Yes. Via these, you know, ideologies. It's pretty obvious to me. It's pretty obvious. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jason. Thank you so much for what you do. And I hope that it becomes more obvious to all of us. Well, I think that's the that's the hope that I have because the more I kind of talk to all sorts of different people, people who never again had like a political stance or they're really pushing the kind of centrist, uh, I would say, rational thinkers out of of both sides. And, and hopefully we're going to break this sort of false left right paradigm. But that's my hope. That's <laughs> well, my hope. We'll as see. Well, we'll see. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Yeah, so it was really great to talk with you and I really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this. And I think you've given us some valuable insight into what's happening in the schools because there's a lot of confusion unless you're there as a teacher or someone like yourself kind of involved in this, I don't even want to call it an industry, but an area, uh, we wouldn't know, right? I'm not a teacher right now or someone who works in the schools, so I really don't. You have a lot of these angry, this is what they didn't count on, all the angry parents who are actually starting their own grassroots kind of movements. And it's kind yes. of, it's really fascinating. It is fascinating. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for sitting down and, and talking with me. Appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you too. Take care, Jason.